as we mentioned, Pastor Chris has bronchitis, so he asked me uh, Friday morning uh, if I could be prepared to speak today, and uh, I said, absolutely, I am excited to, I would love to. Uh, so this might be a little bit of a shorter sermon than you're used to getting from me, but now that I say that, it might be longer. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but being, <laughs> being the last Sunday before Christmas and the last Sunday of the year, it's kind of uh, for our church, it's kind of a weird spot, right? Because you want to preach on Christmas, but you also want to like preach a banger because it's the last one of the year and you want to go into the new year, you know, with a new vision and excitement. And so I'm going to do a little bit of both today. So we're going to preach out of a text that is uh, a little bit abnormal uh, for uh, Christmas. Now, it's part of the Christmas story, but well, you'll see when we get there. But we're going to do something very different today. Normally, I would tell you where to turn in your Bible, and I would want you to get ready to read with me, but I don't want you to do that today. All right, I'm going to tell you where I want you to turn, and then here's what you're going to do. You're going to skim very quickly verses 1 through 17. All right. Don't pay a whole lot of attention to detail. It's a lot of father ofs, father ofs, father ofs, father ofs. Okay. It's not that exciting. Um, so I want you, but, but what I want you to do is I want you to skim it and then I want you to close the book or turn off your phone, whatever the case is. And then I want you to look up to me. All right. So when you're ready, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter one and I want you to very quickly skim one through 17. And then I want you to look up at me when you're done. Go ahead. Take 30 seconds. Skim one through 17 of Matthew chapter one. Are we there? Getting close? What in the world is he preaching on? Am I right? <laughs> Where in the world is Austin going with this today? The father of the father of the father of the father of. Who cares? Right? Can I confess to you how many times I've read this passage of scripture and been like, so what? <laughs> uh, I've lost count. All right. But as a parent, I have started to learn a new appreciation for the significance of lineage and legacy. And Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 uh, tell of Jesus's lineage and legacy. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to pull a couple of things out of there. And, and hopefully, um, if you are a Christian today, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have surrendered your life over to him, this is going to encourage you to let you know that he is right there with you. But if you're not, I hope and pray that this tells you that uh, he is not scared to get right down with you and is ready to meet you right where you're at. Uh, so I want to ask you a question, and, and don't be shy here. How many years, I just throw out a number, I want you to guess, how many years do you think that there was between Abraham and Jesus. How many years? Just, just throw out a number. Just guess. 1,500? 14 times 20? Okay. <laughs> 280? Okay. Anybody else? 1,767 years. That's nearly 18 centuries. That's 42 generations. 42 generations. That's 42 generations before the virgin's conception that the Lord started making promises of a Messiah to come. That's 42 generations of 
moms and dads saying, I think I've heard from the Lord about my son or my daughter or my grandson or my granddaughter. It's 42 generations of promises waiting to be fulfilled until the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. What a lineage, right? Isn't that incredible? When you just zoom out to the amount of faith 42 generations must have had to continue to keep traveling through this life, walking uh, in honor of God for promises that were made to their great, 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 great grandparents about a coming savior. You would think that you'd lose some hope somewhere in 42 generations. But here's the good news this morning. Those 42 generations weren't perfect, just like the generations that you came from weren't perfect. And God came into the mess for the mess. So we're going to talk a little bit about the lineage of Jesus here, but, but before we dive into that, I want to briefly look at just a couple of promises and prophecies that were laid out about the coming Messiah. This is not going to sound like it has a whole lot of meaning right now, but we will, it's going to get, there's meanings coming, okay? Genesis 12 and 22, 12, um, chapter 12 and chapter 22 tell us of God's promises to Abraham of blessing and multiplying his descendants because of his obedience. His descendants being and it says descendants, and it does mean also like your flesh and blood, but is also referring to because he was the first Hebrew who eventually became the Israelites, who eventually became Christians. He's really saying that your descendants, what is going to flow from you, from your obedience, many are going to be saved because of your one act of obedience. I want you to think about the weight of that one act of obedience trickles down 42 generations. 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, Genesis 49, 10. And this is Jacob speaking to his sons. He says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, Judah being the person, but also later the tribe of Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, or in other words, um, the ruler's staff from uh, his descendants. That's really what he's saying there. He's speaking in poetry here. Until he to whom it belongs, the Messiah, shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Second Samuel 7, 12, the prophet Nathan is saying this to King David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. These are promises and prophecies of the coming Messiah through the lineage of Abraham and then David. And that'll be significant here in a minute. So now that we have a brief understanding of, of, of just a, a, a couple of promises and prophecies that 42 generations were waiting to be fulfilled. Okay, now let's look at his actual lineage. Now, we're not going to go and read verse by verse 1 through 17 of Matthew chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to spare you my uh, fumblings over names I can't pronounce. But we're going to hit the, uh, the kind of the highlight moments here, okay? So it starts with Abraham and Isaac. If you don't know the story, Abraham, God appeared to Abraham and said, 
hey, you need to take your son off the top of this mountain and you need to sacrifice him. And this is your act of service towards me. This is an act of obedience towards me. And so he takes his son up and he ties him up and he lays him on the altar and the Lord stops him and he turns around and the Lord prepared a, a ram for him to take his place. And this is this picture of that man is going to try everything that they can do to try and right their wrongs, to try and, but the Lord had another plan. He had his actual son that was actually going to be able to take the place on that altar for forever, not just for a moment, but for eternity. And the Lord was going uh, was gonna to provide that to us in the form of his son. But Abraham also had Ishmael. And if you know anything about ancient history, Isaac is where the Israelites came from. And Ishmael is where Islam and the Muslims come from. And so there's this division, right? Does that sound a little bit familiar to maybe a family here where, you know, you have patriarchal parents and then you have this kid and that kid. God's not a stranger to a messy family. Isaac then had Jacob, but he also had Esau. A broken family full of deception and lies. And then Jacob had Judah. See, Judah started as one of the brothers that, Ju that threw Joseph into the pit and then eventually sold him into Egyptian slavery. You know, J uh, Joseph, the coat of many colors, who the father... Uh, uh, favored and his brothers, all 11 of them were jealous. Well, can we just fast forward and, and recognize 12 tribes of Israel? There are 12 sons of Jacob. This is how his life started as a jealous brother who was willing to sell his own flesh and blood for a blessing. And then the Lord redeemed later into a nation. Are you seeing a pattern here? Skipping a couple of generations, Judah leads to Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. That's an incredible, awesome story on his own. I encourage you to go and read that. It'll encourage you and challenge you. But did you know that Boaz's mom was Rahab? Do you know who Rahab is? The prostitute inside the walls of Jericho who snuck in Joshua's spies, who hid them, who helped them conquer this city. That's who Boaz's mother was. Are you seeing a pattern here of restoration of people who started one way and God said, but I'm going to make something out of you. If you just surrender to me, if you just obey me. Through Boaz later came Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of King David. We all know King David. If you've spent five minutes in church or in a Sunday school, you've heard the term King David before, an incredible king of Israel, uh, but he was also not without his faults. He was an adulterer. And then he murdered the husband of his adulteress. He was a messed up man, but yes, God still said, you are a man after my heart. Through David came Solomon, but did you know that Solomon was the offspring of David and Bathsheba, the adulteress? Again, God restores broken situations, broken people. He restores and redeems our sins and uses them for his glory. Through David and Solomon's lineage came many 
uh, mighty kings and came many uh, really big failures of kings who really led the Israelites the wrong way. But after Israel was captured by Babylon, there eventually came Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the father of Jesus. Now, Jesus was conceived in the belly of a virgin. And the Bible very clearly tells us that uh, Joseph did not um, uh, have marital affairs with his wife until after that baby came. So it was a preservation of no one can question because it has never happened. Are you, are you with me? So the significance here is that though Jesus was not blood through Joseph, Jesus was fulfillment of promise and prophecy through Joseph. But it was through some sometimes messy sometimes God-fearing lineage that the Lord chose to bring about his son. He could have brought him into this world any which way he pleased. And yet he chose to use broken, hurting people to fulfill his promise. And 2,000 years ago, Love came down from heaven, born into a messy stable, born from a messy lineage, born for your messy sins. And so the Lord really wanted me to bring this just really back to a basic right before Christmas because we can really miss this really easily this time of year. We're so busy, so hustle bustle, so I have to accomplish and prove and I have to meet expectations and I have to buy all of these gifts and I have to be at this parent's house and that parent's house and this brother's and this in-law's and yada, yada, yada. And we can really miss Jesus came into this world to save us. I mean, it comes all the way back to John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to give, but to save the world through him. If you I think we all need a reminder sometimes of what things are really about. I know I do. And Christmas is about a baby born to die. That was his purpose. His purpose was death for you in your place. So you didn't have to bear the consequences of your mess. So much God loved you. I don't know that I would send my son to die for anyone. But a good father in heaven 
so love broken people that he sent his only son for you. And the birth and everything surrounding it is beautiful and incredible and awesome. But did he, had he not gone to the cross, had he not been raised from the dead, he'd just be another prophet, just another teacher. There would not be salvation. So I don't know where you're at in your journey this morning. I don't know if, if you're a veteran of the faith or if you're still t- dipping your toe in the water, but there's no better season, no better time than this right here when we celebrate his coming, that we accept his gift of forgiveness.